So we have been on this journey about the fire of God, and I, I just have to be completely honest with you guys. I, I just absolutely love always coming back to this church. Um, we've I've known Mark for a while. Actually, uh, Holly and I were talking about it. Was it our seventh grade year, Holly? Seventh grade year, Mark was the speaker at one of our camps. And uh, not saying he's old. <laughs> saying he's seasoned. Uh, but... Um, you guys have got a wise group, uh, a God-fearing, uh, Jesus-loving group here uh, that I've had the privilege of them pouring into me for a long time. And for Alan, um, th- there's two guys, there's really uh, two guys when I think about, you know, how would I do ministry? How would I do this? There's really only two guys that come to mind. The first ones I think I need to ask this person, and Alan is always one of them. Two guys in ministry that I uh, absolutely love uh, uh, and absolutely respect and admire, and um, and and you guys love him well. And I just want to say on behalf of my friend, thank you for loving my friend. Thank you for loving his family. Um, it's a big deal. Uh, we see people that don't stay in ministry uh, a whole long time, and. Um, for to get to watch him and to watch you guys love him and love Mark and uh, love their family so well, it does a, ma- a pastor's heart good, a minister's heart good to watch them and this church uh, take care of them so much. Um, and so it's just an honor to be able to be here uh, all weekend, uh, to be able to just share what God has been showing me. Because here's the thing, anytime I engage with God's word, uh, I'm in I'm in front of the line. I'm right there. God is, is dealing with me about these issues before he's dealing with anyone in the room. You're just welcome to, uh, you're invited in to see what God has been uh, teaching me and uh, just revealing in my own heart. But we've been on this journey about the fire of God. First night we talked about his presence, um, especially with Moses. And we all know the story of the burning bush and, you know, Moses on the run. And God just gets his attention. He's like, Moses, just slow down and stop. And realize how I want to use you to impact the lives of my people. And so God's presence changes uh, things. And God's purpose, we looked at uh, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego in the blazing uh, furnace and in uh, this, this fiery furnace. And we realize there are times that God saves us in the fire, not from the fire. Sometimes in which he allows us to go through these things and, and for God to get all the glory, he allows, saves us and his purpose is to refine us. His purpose is to change us and use us. And that's, that's where we're getting to today is that if you've seen it, you saw it in the video, fire changes things. It, it changes the temperature. Uh, you guys know, you know, for the, the winter weeks that we have in Texas, all two of them, okay? When we light a fire, we light a fire to, to, for warmth and for the temperature, temperature. So fire changes the temperature. Fire changes, uh, the, the, uh, color of things. You have a white piece of paper and you light it on fire, it's gonna get charred and black. Changes the shape of things. You light something on fire, it's gonna change the shape of it, changes the appearance of things. You know, for, and for you guys, it, the first night we were here, we talked about some of the things that are keeping us from stopping and hearing the voice of God and following Him. And y'all wrote some of those things down. And when you put them into the fire barrels, guess what? It changed it. They're gone. 
God doesn't want you to pick those things back up. No one can go back in there and piece it together and then look at the handwriting and go, oh, I know who this is. It changed it. And even uh, the barrels that were out there, and I love fire. I mean, I'm like any guy, oh, fire. You know, I love fire. And to have those barrels just burning out there, and as they were, you know, the first night they had them on the asphalt, and then they had them uh, up on some cinder blocks because uh, they realized that they got the fire so hot that it changed the asphalt. What a great reminder that when you walk out of these doors, that fire should always change things. And for some of you this weekend, that you've come to faith in Jesus for the first time, may that forever be a reminder that something inside me has changed. You see, nothing stays the same. Nothing should stay the same after going through fire. Because God wants to do something through us that is so beyond great, so beyond what we would consider normal. And after experiencing this fire of God through the weekend, nothing should stay stay the same. And we know that it's God's desire for you to feel and sense His power. You may be thinking, I wasn't here all weekend. You know what? Here's the great thing of God. He's not contained in a weekend. You can't contain Him. And so as we draw close into what this power that God has for us and, and, and why it matters, we have to understand this is, this is something I want to kind of drive home through the whole time that we have this morning. Is this thought for us to, to consider, to think about, is that the changes that you make or don't make now will show up later. The changes that we make or don't make now, they will show up in some way, in some form later. Let me give you an illustration of this. Uh, come on back up here. And Jared, see up there? Yeah, come on. Come on back up here. Uh, I've got something. I'm going to have these guys kind of roll out there. There you go. Take that. Go the other end. There we go. All right. Something we all have in common here is... Keep, yeah. Keep stretching out. Okay, this is a timeline. I'll kind of hold it back here. Okay, so this is kind of a lifeline timeline. It starts with the age of zero, goes all the way to the age of 100. I don't know if we have anybody over 100 in here. Westerfield? Westerfield. All right, so. <laughs> you knew that was coming. All right, so. He'll pay for that one later. Uh, but anyway, so we have this. Up. Here's where we're all connected, right? Is that somewhere on this timeline, we're all represented. Okay, we're all connected here. And so 7th through 12th grade, right here, for those who are part of the weekend as a student, the changes you made or didn't make now, they, they will show up later. Let me just be honest with you here. So I'm right here, 43, about to turn 44. I realize I need to lose a few LBSs, a little few pounds. All right. And so here's the thing. The changes I do or do not make right now, they're going to show themselves later. And so every one of us in this room, we're connected by this. And we, God has, has showed himself and God has said, there's some things that we need to change. And not choosing to change, say, well, I, I don't make a choice. That's a choice. And for all of us in this room, we get to encounter this Holy God who says, hey, there's some things I want to point out here, and I want to just unleash my power upon you, but it's going to require some things to change. Okay? You guys can drop that. Thank you very much. Alan, sorry. You're going to have to. He's going to get you later. 
But the changes we make or don't make now, they will show up later. Now, a lot is right in this. We're going to go into a, a story which you've heard before. I know you've heard it before. If you've walked in the door of any church, you've heard this before with Elijah on the mountainside. But here's what I want to do. We're going to be in 1 Kings chapter. We're going to begin in 16. We're going to kind of bounce around all the way to 18. But here's the thing, when we deal with some of these passages of Scripture, because we've been dealing with stories that are so great and so well known in the Old Testament. We talked about Moses again in the burning bush. We talked about uh, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego in the blazing furnace. And so sometimes these stories, if we allow them to, we kind of, we operate in the fact that we know the end. We operate on the fact that we're reading these stories and we know the end. We read about the three guys who are thrown in the fiery furnace and we know, ah, they'll be okay. So we start the story knowing they're going to be fine. And so when we read God's word, as we engage with it, it's important for us, if we can, to get in a point where we're in this story, we're in history of God moving among his people. And as these characters and God's story are living these things out, they are living it out moment by moment by moment. Not necessarily knowing the end. They're living out moment by moment. And, and this is the only time you're going to hear, hear me ever say this. If you miss the drama of it all, you miss the story. Now, you know, we deal with some of our seventh grade girls and say, no drama. We don't want the drama. But here's the thing. For here, so seventh grade girl, if you're offended, I'm sorry. I could say the same thing about eighth grade boys. So, here's the thing. If you miss the drama, you miss the story. Because there's these parts of tension that builds, that builds, and builds, and builds. And we're going to see how even the changes that people choose to make or don't make, they will show up later. They will show the impact of those choices or changes or non-changes later. So as we get ready to jump in here in First Kings, you know, let's catch up just a little bit. We're going to talk about... Um, King Ahab, and, and so just so you know, leading up to this point, let's do just a really quick overview of where we are at this point in biblical history as a major understanding of God's truth. Moses, you know, led the people out of slavery. God's chosen people, the Hebrews, led them out of slavery. slavery. They're wandering in the desert until Joshua takes them into the promised land. Then there's a period of judges and then kings because you have these people who are a little bit whiny, okay, a whole lot whiny, and they're looking around saying, every Everyone else has a king. Why don't we have a king like them? And so Samuel, you know, sells this to God. And God says, yeah, they've already rejected me as king. But you know what? I'm going to give them what they want. They're not going to like it, but I'm going to give them what they want. And so you have this nation of Israel, this Hebrew nation. They go under this united monarchy where Saul is the first one, David, and then Solomon. And then you have the kingdom split into a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom of Judah, northern kingdom of Israel. And the eight out of 17 kings in Judah's history were good. But here's the thing about the northern kingdom. All of them were bad. All 19 kings of Israel, northern kingdom of Israel. They were bad. Some of them. Let's go through some of the names. Jeroboam. And these are scripture that says this. This is the uh, what it says about them. Jeroboam deliberately planted the seeds of idolatry for 22 years. Then came uh, Nadab, which scripture says he did evil in the sight of the Lord. He only lasted two years. Uh, Basha assassinated Nadab. That's one only lasted two years. And then he provoked God to anger. He lasted for 24 years. 
Elia assassinated Zimri provoked the Lord to anger. That's what Scripture says about him. He lasted two years. Zimri only lasted a week. Omri acted more wickedly than all who were before for about 12 years. So it's like these guys are saying, you think you're bad? I I can be worse. And so it's like they're one up in each other on the playground. Have you ever seen, or have you ever seen guys start telling stories and they, and one says, that's a great story, but I got one better. So you've got these kings saying, hey, you think you're bad? I'm worse. None of these guys you want to bring home to mama. And so we get to Ahab, who is probably the worst of the worst. It says in verse 30 uh, of 1 Kings uh, chapter 16, verse 30, it says, But Ahab, son of Omri, did what was evil in the Lord's sight more than all who were before him. That's saying some things. And so as this history of kings, they were supposed to be leading God's people into in the right ways. They were not willing to make the changes that were required. And what we see are the changes that they are making are showing up later. And that they are leading a country, they are leading a people away from God. And so we find out a little bit more about Ahab. Here's what makes him so bad. He marries a foreign princess named Jezebel who has a great influence over Ahab. She wants to just take out all the followers of Yahweh. She, there's no coexisting. She's a follower of Baal. She brings Baalism into, uh, into the northern kingdom, into the people of God. And she wants to kill everybody that has anything to do with Yahweh. And so she brings this in. This, she's an enemy. Basically, she is an enemy of the one true God. And I want you to understand something. If you want your life to remain changed by the power of God, we've got to make sure that our closest friends aren't God's biggest enemies. That's why we have weekends like this. That's why we talk about uh, three guys in a fiery furnace. For students especially and, and adults, we're not immune from this either. We have to surround ourselves with the people who desire to push us closer to God. If our closest friends are God's biggest enemies, we've got some struggles there. And so he wants us to change. He wants us to look. But Ahab took her as a wife. Now, Baal was a Semitic word that means master, lord, owner, considered the god, little g, of fertility and all aspects of life, human, uh, animal, agricultural. But also, uh, Baal was, had the power over the winds. He, they fought him to have the power of the winds, uh, of the clouds, of weather, and of rain. So the stage is starting to be set that what is being introduced as idolatry and for Baal is that he's in charge of all of these things. And so you have 1 Kings chapter 17 enters Elijah, verse uh, verse 1 of chapter 17. Now Elijah the Tishbite from uh, Gilead Settler said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives, I stand before him, and there will be no dew or rain during these years except by my command. And then he exits stage left for about three years. 
He comes on the stage kind of from nowhere. I mean, we kind of know where he was from, but he's not he, he, not from anywhere special. We know his name is Elijah, which means the Lord is my God. That's why I love, that's exactly why we named our son Elijah. We love the power in that name. He goes on the attack on, on this uh, theological center of Baal worship, and here's what he's saying. He says, his, Yahweh, he lives at all times. And for you, what you're about to experience is a drought that you've never seen before. As a matter of fact, when Baal worshippers, they believed that during a drought season, they needed that Baal, Baal was dead. They needed to bring him back from the dead. And here's the thing with Elijah saying, hey, Yahweh determines when rain falls. And when he says no more rain, he means it. Peace out. See ya. Three years. So can you imagine, he enters the scene, says what he has to say, he goes into hiding, not because he's scared, because God is going to make a point. And so we fast forward to chapter 18 in 1 Kings, and we begin in verse 17. The years of drought have happened, and Ahab saw Elijah, and Ahab said to him, Is that you, O destroyer of Israel? Elijah replied, I've not destroyed Israel, but you and your father's house. Remember all of the the ones we listed of the previous uh, kings who were horrible, rotten. He's saying, it's, it's you and what you've been taught and no one's willing to change. That because you've abandoned the Lord's commands and followed the Baals and now... Summon Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel among with 450 prophets of Baal, 400 prophets of Asherah, who eat at Jezebel's table. He's saying, here's the thing. We're about to have a showdown. This three years is set up this moment in which we are going to go face to face the true living God, Yahweh, against Baal and against the one you have set up to be opposite of God. And matter of fact, place more, more importance in him. And so what you have is this showdown that is set up. And again, the tension is building. And so remember, it's just Elijah. And so we get in verse 20 and we see that expecting the power of God takes two things. It takes preparation and it takes prayer. And we see Elijah jump into this moment. Verse 20 says, so so Ahab summoned all of Israelites he gathered the prophets on Mount Carmel. And then Elijah approached all the people and said, How long will you hesitate between two opinions? He's calling them out. One guy versus all the rest. Calling them out saying, How, how, will you, how long will you hesitate between two opinions? If Yahweh is God, follow him. But if Baal is, follow him. But the people didn't answer him a word. In other words, they're saying, Well, I'm just not going to make a choice. But that's a choice. I'm just not going to choose. That's choosing. Then Elijah said to the people, am I the only remaining prophet of the Lord? Answer is yes, right there. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Count them up. Do the math. And so he says this. He says, okay, let two bulls be given to us. They're to choose one bull for themselves, cut into pieces. And he tells them, this is how everything is going to be set up. In verse 24, then you call in the name of your God, little g... And I will call on the name of Yahweh, the God who answers with fire, that he is God. So he says, we're going to, here's the thing, I'm going to come on your territory. You got home court advantage. 
And you're going to call upon your little G God, who doesn't exist, by the way. And I'm going to call on the one true God who does exist. And we're going to tell, he's going to answer by fire. Notice again, we know the end of the story, but Elijah here, he's stepping into this moment. This preparation, three years of preparation, understanding God is going to use him in this moment. And he calls him out because here's the thing about Baal. He was supposedly also the God of the sun, so fire shouldn't be any problem. There are ancient paintings depicted on him with a firebolt, a thunderbolt as an arrow. And so he said, hey, here's the thing. Your God that you say exists, he, he ought to know how to handle fire. So let's say who answers with fire. All the people answered. That sounds good. They should have not said that. And Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, since you are so numerous, I love, and I love the snarkiness and, and, and some of the mocking. I know that may be sinful, but some, I'm like, I, I like this guy, right? Since you're so numerous, choose for yourself one bull, prepare it first, and call upon the name of your God, but don't light it on fire. It's, you're going to call on him to do that. So they did it. They took the bull, they prepared it, they called the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, Baal, answer us. But then, these are some of the most condemning verses in Scripture, but there was no sound. No one answered. There is no sound. No one answered. No one. That's because no one is paying attention. And at noon, Elijah mocked him and he said, shout loudly for he's a God. Maybe he's thinking it over. Uh, maybe he has wandered away. That's literally maybe he's got to go take care of business. Maybe he's on the road. Perhaps he's sleeping or will wake up. And so they, he, I mean, he's just kind of just poking the fire a little bit, you know, just saying. And so they start yelling even louder and they just started cutting themselves. And all afternoon they kept on raving until the offering of the evening sacrifice. And here's those words again. It's repeated as a student of the scripture. If you see something repeated, it is important. Notice it. It says, no, that, but there was no sound. No one answered. No one paid attention. He's saying, hey, there's one problem. Baal doesn't exist. You're calling out to somebody who doesn't exist. You know, he's not real. Yeah. You guys didn't know I'm an Astros fan. We've, we've covered that. Uh, there we go. <laughs> and 2050 World Series camps. All right, so I have an Astros ring here. It's a big deal. It's a big deal in our family because my mom and I, when, when we were, like I said, uh, going through a divorce, that's where my mom and I escaped to to go to. So it became a real place for us uh, just to um, engage and get to spend time with one another. But I got a, a ring here. It's not the real one. I wish it was. That would be cool. But the, if you look at the diamonds on here, they're sparkly, but they're not real. The gold on here, if I wore it every day, it would probably turn my finger green. But it stands for something real. But even in the end of it all, even this doesn't really matter. I could look at this and go, man, I love baseball and I love that we're considered champions, but really in the end of all of it, it doesn't matter. 
even though even this represents something, it represents something real. Here's what's going on here. Elijah is telling them, hey, here's, there's, or what we're receiving from this is that there's no sound. These guys are going through all of this, these motions and they're cutting themselves and they're making just this big show and they're wanting so desperately for this God to appear with fire and no one is listening. No sound. No one answered. No one paid attention. How many of us are giving our lives to things or ideas that don't exist or have zero value in light of eternity? We look at this and go, oh, poor them. But no, it's oh, poor us when we realize that we are engaging in activities that have zero eternal value. See, for Elijah, there was this preparation, the power of God to change things, to change him, to change people. And so we get this going on. All this stuff continues to happen. And he says, okay, it's God's turn now. And he says, okay, come, come near to me. All the people approached him and he repeated, uh, he repaired the Lord's altar that had been torn down, took 12 stones. And he says, okay, you're going to prepare everything the same, just the way you did, except this. You're going to start pouring water on it. Not just once, not just twice, but three times. You're going to get everything really wet, so wet that there's a trench dug around it. There's going to be water even filling up the trench. And so when it was time, we see in verse 36, the offering and the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet approached the altar and listened to this prayer. It's preparation and prayer when it comes to the power of God. Yahweh, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, today let it be known that you are God in Israel and I am your servant. He begins with this relationship of the one true God, the one real, the living God. And second, he seeks uh, the, the glory of God. He says this, so today let it be known that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. And at your word, I've done all these things. Tension is building. Everybody else has spent a whole lot of time and nothing has happened. But then he seeks the grace of God. Here's the reason he's praying. He said, answer me, Lord, not so that, hey, I look pretty good. It's not so, hey, I'm right. I'm right. The 450 people are wrong. More than that are wrong. He didn't say, so I can tell them I told you so. Answer me, O Lord, so the people will know that you, Yahweh, are God and that you have turned their hearts back. You had these guys just completely jumping around. And then in this moment, Elijah prays this prayer. And then we get verse 38. And then Yahweh's fire fell. Now, it, it's just, it, he's a witch. No, it's just, <laughs> it's just flash cotton, okay? So, exactly. Now, here's the thing. Your response to that in this little bitty fire demonstration was nothing compared to the response of those who have just witnessed these fools all day calling out to a God who doesn't exist. And Elijah steps on the scene, and he could have just said, hey, yo, God, fire. And in that moment, when fire came down from heaven, it changed everything. Look at the response after that 
says, Yahweh's fire fell and consumed the burnt offering, the wood, the stones, and the dust, and licked up the water from the trench. Nothing was left unchanged. And when the people saw it, they fell face down and they said, Yahweh, He is God. He is the one true God. He is the one who is alive. And everything in that moment changed. When? Notice, look in there. It says, when they saw it. It, when they saw fire, fire, God's power. What if they saw it in us? What if they saw it through our preparation, through our prayers? What if they saw it in us? Because Elijah prepared and prayed for the power of God to fall. People saw it and they were changed. They saw it and they couldn't just sit back and go, that's interesting. They saw it and said fire came down and it changed everything. Now, I I was able to work at a, a, a camp, Sky Ranch, uh, whenever I, after I graduated high school. And we got to have the oldest boys. And i never forget one week, it was a camp we were able to share the gospel. We were able to have Bible studies. And so we always enjoyed to spend our time with Bible studies. And we had this one kid coming to our camp. Um, and he was a Japanese kid. And they told us beforehand, he doesn't speak any English. Uh, his name was Yu. What? Exactly what you would think. And it gets kind of weird. But So his name is Yu. And so Yu was coming. And it's weird. So you was coming to the camp, and so we got there, and here's how he would communicate. He, he came in carrying a Japanese-English Bible, or a Japanese-English dictionary. And so he would point to words, and then he would show them to us. And that's how we communicated. And so now eating, that was easy. Eating, I need something to drink. I mean, that was easy to communicate. But other things, he would point to it, and he'd just smile and just kind of show it to us. And we're like, okay, yeah, okay, let's go. Let's go outside. So that's how he communicated. So we're thinking, okay, how are we going to do Bible studies with this guy? And I just felt in the moment that God was saying, you do it. I was like, I don't know Japanese. So God said, no, I want you to do it. So I said, okay. So I told the guys, hey, I feel like God is calling me to do the Bible study with him. I figured I would just use a Japanese dictionary, English dictionary. So we, I kind of pulled to the side, and I was thinking, I don't know what to do. And so I just had a piece of paper, and I started drawing. I'm not a great artist. So all I could figure out to draw was I drew the name Jesus. I spelled out Jesus. And then I went to the same art class everybody else did. I did a stick figure of a man on a cross. And then I drew a heart. And so with you in the room, see, it's weird. I would say, Jesus, I would point to Jesus, I would point to the cross, and I would point to the heart. That consisted of our Bible study for three days. Jesus, cross, heart. Jesus, cross, heart. Came to Thursday, and I'm thinking, what am I going to do for Bible study today? Oh, the same thing I've done all week. And so I pulled you in the room, and I pointed Jesus, heart, Jesus, cross, heart. And I was doing that, and all of a sudden, there was one time I went, Jesus, cross, heart. And you could just see this look of his face. He was like, and I'm looking at him, and he starts getting all jittery, kind of excited. And he looks at the paper, and he goes, Jesus, cross, heart. And then he looks at me, and I'm like, yeah. Jesus cross heart. He keeps doing that over and over again. I mean, he's seen it for three days. He ought to know what I'm doing. 
So he's like, Jesus, cross, heart. Jesus, and then he does this. He goes, Jesus, cross, and then he goes, heart. And as a good Baptist boy, I'm like, no, no, you got to like, you got to pray the prayer. You got to sign the card. You don't know, but I saw it right there. I saw it go, Jesus, cross, heart. I saw, I mean, I saw this transformation. It was clear on his face, and he knew that was for him. And I'm just sitting there going, dude, I don't know what's happening here. And so you, he comes out of the room, and he goes out of the room, and he stands up before these guys, and in complete English, he says this. He says, tonight I see you in heaven. It's like, man, I didn't, I didn't draw that. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there, I'm bawling like a baby in the other room. And I'm watching this going, God, what did you just do? And I'm thinking this, this gets me thinking of this story. What if Elijah said, I mean, this is heavy for him to go, hey, I'm going to trust that when I ask God, I'm going to prepare and pray, and ask God to bring fire from heaven, that he's going to do it. And what if he'd have said, no, someone else is going to do it, not me. When God is calling us, he said, you know, this power of God that God has, it has the ability to change anyone, anytime, anywhere. And we've got to believe it. And we've got to step in these moments. Because here, what if people saw it through you? What if people saw it because you were willing to take a stand against the majority? What if people saw it because you were willing to do what God has made you, born, created you to do? What if people saw it because you were willing to stand up and stand out? What if people saw it because you were willing to listen to God even in the fire? Have you allowed the fire of God to change you? Because let's be clear, the changes we make or don't make now will show up later. Parents, let me holler at you real quick. You got the room with the parents in a weekend. Your kids have just been, they've just been given the word of God and they've made a choice to change. Parents, you have a huge responsibility to be engaged with that change, to be to allow God to continue to use you. I've gotten to meet a lot of you that I see it. I see it in your faces. I see how God has used you to pour truth into your kids' lives. Church, it just isn't a cool place to come hang out. It is a place in which I know you are fed the Word of God on a regular basis. I know the way it is preached. I watch it online sometimes. I know what you were given. I know what this church stands for. I know how you love people and love them well. I know how the fire of God has fallen down upon you and you've responded to it. But we have to each make this choice individually. And that's for me and for my family. I choose, I desire for God to continue to change me. And it's my prayer that it's the same for you. Here's what I want to do, just to kind of wrap things up. I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. Give you an opportunity to allow the fire of God to not just just reside itself in a book that we call the Bible. That we would allow the fire of God to rain down upon us.
so that we are changed and we are never the same. So here's what I do. I want to I want to pray over you. As I'm praying over you, there's going to be, you know, they'll be getting ready up here because we want to lead in a song, a song of uh, invitation, a song of, of welcoming God into that. God, we want you to continue to communicate to us what this change needs to look like. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray over you, and then we're going to sing the song in response. You have uh, Mark and Alan that will be up here to receive you. If there's, this is a great time. If you've not come to faith in Christ and you're like, God, I've got to. This is a great time to do that. If you've never trusted him for the first time. Now, some of you are thinking, well, yeah, I, I know that there was a time I came to faith. I trusted what Jesus did. Then you've got to rely on that. But maybe there's some ways that you've gotten a little off. And you need to reconnect. But for some of you in this room, no, you've never connected with Jesus, and you need to. You need to talk more about that. That's going to be a time for this. The altar is going to be open. Maybe there's some things in which God has said, that right there, I need that to change. I want that to change. The fire of God is falling down in that moment. And this gives you an opportunity to say, okay, God, I give it to you. Again, parents, my kids are my later. My wife is my later. I want to make sure that the changes I make now impact those later. So we want to ask you to get into this time. Allow God to do things in you, business in you this morning. I invite you to stand at this time as I pray over you and you stand. We'll worship together. Lord God.